so we had like like four pheasants to a man. Yeah. And so we I breasted them all out. So we go through the cupboards at the Airbnb and we find that they have ramen noodles. Six or seven packages. It was expired by a long shot. Hello and welcome to the Greenway Outdoors podcast in our makeshift going through changes, life growth really, podcast room. Teen years. (laughs) My my name's Kyle. I'm Ryan. I'm AJ. And we have Beth on the line with us. Now, Beth Shemansky runs all the marketing over at Savage Arms. And as you guys know, we've been working with Savage for a little over a year. But if you look at our older episodes, you're going to see Savage sprinkled all throughout. Right now, we have our episode from Hawaii on there that we shot like four or five years ago on YouTube. You can find it on our YouTube channel or Carbon TV. And if you look back then, I was using Savage back then too. I had a 110 it's like the classic wood version. What do you guys call that one? I think that was just the 110 Hunter back in the day or Trophy Hunter. Okay, yeah. My, I, I had that gun. It was my dad's 270. He bought it, was all excited about it, and I was like, I need a 270 for where I'm going. And then he, he's like, all right, go ahead. So I've been – and my, my first rifle was a Savage. A lot of the, the guns that have been passed down to me through generations, my dad was always a big uh, Savage proponent. And um, his two fa- – he brings it up anytime I bring up Savage. He brings up the fact that he has a uh, – he calls it – it's kind of like an over-under, but it's a 20-gauge uh, barrel and a 22 barrel. And he's like, name a better rabbit gun. <laughs> you know, he's like, he, like, brings it up. I think he has a 410 version as well where it's, like, the, the two – the one on top and one on bottom. Do you guys still manufacture that one or no? We do. So we have a Model 42 today, which is the 410, and then we have a 22 um, LR version or a 22 WMR version. Um, but we get asked all the time, bring back the 20 gauge, you know. So just it's something that's always in the pipeline. But yeah, we have the it's called the Model 42 today that has those two options. It it really does make a whole lot of sense. I so say you decided to bring that gun back, and you'd have to re <laughs> the, you'd have to like re-engineer it for modern times in some sense. I don't know if I'm allowed to ask this question, but like start to finish, Uh-oh. like from <laughs> here he goes <laughs> from 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 conception to like it being on a shelf. How long does that usually take? It depends on what tooling is needed. Tooling is really the lead time. Design can be done quickly, and I say quickly in a matter of probably you know 12 to 20 weeks. Um, oh wow! Okay. You know, but tooling t- tooling could be anywhere from 12 weeks to 24 weeks, depending on what you're doing. Um, so we've had products, if it's a line extension, we've been able to get it to market in probably four to six months. Things like the Impulse. Um, that, that was, was my a, next question. Yeah, that was my yeah, next that question. Was, that was probably a three-year project just because that was starting from scratch. So it just depends on the level of, of design, testing, and um, you know tooling, engineering that has to go into it. You could see why that rifle, though, not the Impulse because we'll get into that, but the the over under of like if you saw a rabbit sitting he's yours with the 22 and then yeah. you're not ruining a bunch of meat but you're walking around with the intention of a pop-up right you're using the 410 or even like squirrel hunting if they're on the ground running but if you can get them up in a tree you, i mean it, it's it's nice to have both it really is it, it, it's such a fun idea too <laughs> yeah two, two guns in one yeah i you know i've been doing some thinking um 
I'm an over under guy, and I've been. I know that people are starting to get back into the side by side thing right now. Mm-hmm. I get the thought of the two triggers, but I I am more likely to effectively burn through my open spread and get to my Titan one with two shots than I am to remember. I've yeah. never been a I've never been a two trigger guy. No. I just I just want the one. How does that work? So it's like. There's two barrels. Now, the, the benefits of an over-under, like I have the 555E, which I, I shot a grouse with this past weekend uh, the six, in the 16 gauge, which is a really fun gauge. Uh, it's between 12 and 20. Mm-hmm. Sometimes 12 is too much. 20 is a little light. It's just the <laughs> it's the sweet 16 is what it is. Mm-hmm. But um, basically what happens is there would be two triggers, and the idea is if you have two barrels with two different chokes, you, you know, think of it like a, a hose oh, okay. where you tighten up the hose and it makes it – a more narrow so it goes farther spread mm-hmm. um you can have two different chokes in and then pick which one you're shooting with but by the same token what i was doing with the 555e was you can pick which barrel shoots first so i had cylinder in the in the um in the bottom and i had improved cylinder in the top and i'd be walking around in areas where it was like if something happens it's gonna be right here and i'd have it clicked over where i knew that one was gonna shoot first and then if I was like, I'm seeing a lot of space here, I'm getting long-distance vibes, I'd click over to the improved cylinder, so that would shoot first. I wanted to ask you, Beth, and Ryan as well, I know you've got more under, over-under experience. I mean, when I was hunting with Kellen this weekend, he had mentioned that it's smarter to have your bottom barrel shoot first. Yes. Is there any context to that? Like, I don't know anything about it. Well, it, it, he's saying that based on recoil, so that way that you don't have there's not a recovery time. Like say you take your first shot with your top barrel, your your gun's gonna bump up. Now you gotta bring it back down, get so back on target, and then shoot. Whereas if you shoot the bottom barrel first, it shoots straight back into your shoulder. You don't have to spend as much time readjusting to get back on target. I see, I see. So it's it's a it's a time efficiency thing. I see. Just getting back on target. Mm-hmm. That's why I like the over under. I I mean, I don't know. You that that it's like. Ford versus Chevy, the over-under versus side-by-side, like that type of deal. Oh, geez. There's always, like, mm-hmm. a battle. You mean but... Ram versus Toyota, but yeah. I well, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't put us in that category because that's in the upper echelon. Yeah, I got you. Nice, 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 nice. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I so that I just – we did a, a grouse hunt this past weekend, and uh, we, it was funny. Me, Kellen, and Ryan were all using the same gun because we all got the same 16-gauge from you guys. Nice. It is. And, um, yeah, I can't – I think what startles most people, like when I hand it around, is the the how light it is. Because mm-hmm. Kellen Kellen had a, a few, like a what did he have a four ten or a twenty eight gauge out 20, there that a, was significantly heavier than the yeah. sixteen gauge that had two barrels on it. Yeah, you yeah. know. So yeah, I was I was really really happy with the five 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 e. Now that says Stevens on it. A lot of people like explain the relationship between Savage and Stevens. Yeah, so Stevens has been a part of the Savage brand since the 1940s or 50s, actually. And we've actually used the Stevens brand as products that are imported. So the the 555 actually come from Turkey. We have a manufacturer over there that only produces for us. So that's why that one carries a Stevens brand. Anything that is going to carry the Savage brand is actually manufactured here in North America. Um, So like the Renegade, the Center Fires are all built in Westfield, Massachusetts. And then we have a small rimfire facility up in Lakefield, Ontario. So anything North American made carries Savage. Anything imported, we put the Stevens brand on. So uh, that's that's actually good to know. Um, so 
the turkey a lot of good guns are made in turkey actually like it's oh, yeah. like the that, country the, yeah that yeah like the yeah. country of turkey is like not the animal no <laughs> there's a no there's a lot of different manufacturers i want to say is taurus made there or were they I want to say tourists. There's, there's some tourists there. I mean, we sent our uh, product team over there, and within one small little valley, there's 200 firearm manufacturers yeah. in Turkey. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, and, why? And, and it's it's beautifully crafted. Like you, you would think you were in a doctor's office with how white, how pristine, the amount of CNC machining they have, the Turkish walnut, just the rooms of Turkish walnut. I mean, it's a really good place to go and they make really solid products and it's at a price point that we just can't hit manufacturing here in the u.s so that's why we kind of use that sub brand to support products like that for us and also be yeah be able to get something in everybody's hands do you know why yep. turkey became the place like the place to uh, manufacture you know this I stuff I, I think it's a few things one they have access to resources um and i think they've got a really solid workforce over there and then they just have space um they're really good at exporting so i think the government was very uh you know kind to them but it's a place where a lot of people are are moving to and, and bringing product over from interesting another question that might be a little edgy um we can cut anything you don't like <laughs> yeah that. <laughs> but with with the political climate of canada changing have you seen any effects with that just because it seems like they're kind of being forced into a position where you can't have guns, unfortunately. They are. So they haven't, the ownership side of things, yes, it's affected there. Um, you know, we can't sell our handguns up there. Um, you know, there's a concern about semi, anything semi-automatic up there. So Renegade, we can't sell up there. Um, we have a very vocal, active group at Lakefield, Ontario, our facility up there that is working with the government because they make all of our rim fires. And a semi-auto A22, we still want to be able to make and sell into Canada, but we also make those and ship them down here. So from a manufacturing standpoint, it hasn't hurt us, but from products we're able to sell in, it's become it's become a place we're actively working to, to make sure that we're heard. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. It's sad to see it going that way and so much misinformation. And, obviously and, and the people have no choice in it. It just is what it is. Yep, you can't have that anymore. You're done. That's like, what happens when there's a king. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, it's the problem. That's why we don't like kings in America. We get rid of kings. Um, I was gonna talk to you too about. I know we're. I know we had like an idea of what we we're gonna talk about, but I just am so fascinated by so much. What I like about Savage is the fact that, and the reason why we partner with you guys, and I have said this to you a few times, is number one, you guys are young and forward thinking. Um, so I like the way that you guys deliver content. I like the messaging. I like the fact that. Typically, if we don't like an answer on something, it's like what you're saying is like we're making sure our voices are heard. But really, you're speaking on behalf of all of us, um, which is important. And we we air in Canada. We have a lot of people. Um, we have a lot of Canucks that watch our show. So, um, you know, that is important. But also, I really like the idea that there is a Savage or Stevens for everybody. There's a price point for everyone. I mean, there's guns that start in the you know $150 range, and then we have guns that go all the way up to $3,000. And just about everything in between. And there's something for everybody. Um, something my dad always said, and, uh, um, and like I said, I grew up around savages. He always said, he goes, savages are the best, and that's why everyone always tries to, or always, everyone's always trying to use their barrels. So a lot of different manufacturers and stuff. What is special about savage barrels that everybody wants them? Because other manufacturers so, use them. We do. We, we produce barrels for people. Um, 
So there's a few things that as we built our manufacturing capabilities, we wanted to bring the best out of the box accuracy. So that's kind of what's been driving us. So one of the things that you'll see from us when you guys come out to the factory, hopefully this year, um, there's a few things that we do in a mass manufacturing capacity that you'll find in a lot of gunsmith stop, uh, gunsmith shop. So it's how we swing our barrels. Um, we have a zero head, pace, head spacing tolerance. So that means that bolt is paired to that barrel and it is serialized to that gun. So if you guys ever take your, your guns apart, you will see the last four serial number on the bolt that is paired to that gun. If we ever get something back from a consumer, the first thing we'll ask is, does your bolt match up? So that bolt is goes through the entire production process with that gun. So that's one thing, zero head spacing. That's interesting. Um, really cool. I've never heard of anything like that. Yep. Um, we also have a uh, every barrel is hand straightened, whether it needs it or not. So we have a guy, you guys will meet him, his name is Shep Torres. And he has a device that looks like it's from the 1800s. And he is making sure that everything is lined up perfectly in every single barrel that comes through the floor. Um, we have precision uh, button rifling that is done. And it's kind of, it's not one of these things, it's a combination of all of them that really give us that accuracy out of the box and what makes our barrels stand apart. That's super cool. Yeah, I, I that was the thing is I've, I've always had good groupings and my dad, I've always considered like a really good marksman. He's a really good rifleman and uh, groupings are everything to him. And that's why he's always gone with Savage. So it's, it's just kind of cool to like yeah. have grown up around it and then see how it's done. He's going to be super jealous when we come there. Yeah. I told the guys too about being able to make their own gun and stuff. So now they're like, well, when did she say? I'm like, she said, maybe <laughs> <laughs> we'll make it happen. We'll yeah. make it happen. I think it'd be cool to shoot some content in the facility and everything like that. Um, 100%. So one of the new guns that we just talked about uh, briefly was you had mentioned the Impulse. So for those of you who don't know, um, I have a gun called the Impulse Mountain Hunter. Um, and the idea behind it is that it's a straight pull. And everyone's like, well, what the hell does that mean? So when you're racking the gun or um, you know, you're spitting out a, uh, the cartridge, putting racking the next one in, instead of the traditional bolt action where you go up and then back and then up, over you're able to be in nice and tight and so me not being like a gunsmith or you know me, me simply being a consumer that shoots guns and hunts the benefits that I noticed were the there's a rail on top so you're able to put your scope super low to the gun whereas historically you can't necessarily do that because if you're racking over you'd be bumping the scope when you're lifting up on your bolt and then trying to go back and over so the scope is able to sit lower. Now, why does that matter? I know that if you think of, and I really st like studied this when I was having problems with archery of like, why is why am I closer, but I have to use a far away pin? And it's understanding the, the flight of the arrow and how it matches up with the sights. And it's, it's not any different with a scope. So if a scope sits on top of your gun, then a bullet doesn't fly straight, right? It goes up and then comes down over a course of time. So you, as the person sighting in a gun, have to decide where in the flight of the bullet do you want the crosshairs to line up with the flight of the bullet. So that means that the scope is always tilted just a little bit down in order to 
in order to because it's sitting up higher. So the thing is, the higher up the scope is, the more you would have to tilt down to account for that. But the the steeper the tilt down, the more impact and the lower part of the line of the flight of the bullet are you crossing with. So if you're sitting lower, you're not having to aim the scope down quite as much in order to account for that arc. So that was that was just something in me learning in archery is like because the, a little bit of a simpler thing, and we have a video on this actually with uh, archery and, and how to sight in your bow. Mm -hmm. It's on our YouTube channel. Uh, we did shot it at Bass Pro. Mm -hmm. But when I was doing that, I was like, okay, my 10-yard pin is here. Boom, 10 yards. My 20-yard pin is here. Boom, okay. Then I would come up and I'd shoot from 5 yards. So I'd be like, oh, I'll use my top pin because I'll use the closest pin, right? Well, it was hitting incredibly low. Well, I had to use my third pin down, which means my 30-yard pin at the five-yard mark because I wasn't giving the arrow the appropriate amount of time to come up to catch up to the sight. So that's like you have to understand that a bullet just isn't instantaneous and it, it follows a trail. So I like the idea, number one, you don't have to buy the um, you don't have to buy a railing or anything like that for the gun. It just is on it, so that's really nice. And then you can set your scope lower to the gun. In addition to that, when you are racking and putting your next bullet in, it's easier to stay on sight, on plane, you know, looking at the scope. Because if you're going like this, you're for sure breaking your vision at the scope. There's no way around it. It's impossible not to. You are going to break your vision. But if you are racking straight back and straight forward, and it's so quick, then you're never taking your focus off of that scope, and you're able to stay downrange and, and acquire your target again faster. Um, it, it's a... Uh, to describe it to people because I've had a lot of people ask me they're like well what what is happening because something is disengaging allowing the the cartridge to be let go of and I, I say it's on a hinge is the way I would explain it is it's kind of like a it almost like breaks and then comes back um, so we I know I I, I I tend to think I'm a little mechanically inclined yeah and looking at this thing it's confuse it like trying to figure it out mechanically just by looking at it it's tough to like follow like how it's all in there so you guys did a good job with it it's pretty cool so and we we know that this i mean a straight pull is not new you know straight pull's been in europe for you know a century and it's it's primarily what they hunt with over there because they're doing a lot of driven hunts and it is fast target acquisition and reloading and staying you know lined up for the next shot and we knew bringing this to the U.S. and North America, the major thing we were going to have to kind of get people to overcome is education. Is it safe? Oh, it's because when you when you have the traditional bolt, when that handles down, you know that bolt's not moving. You know, so when we look at the straight pull, you know the the ball bearings, the hex lock, what you're talking about, that is our safety mechanism. So it was designed with there's a groove when the bolt is closed. There's six ball bearings in there that when, uh, you know, that final click you hear when you close the bolt, those are locked into place. And when the firing pin actually fires, those actually press outward even more. So as the cartridge is being fired, there's even more pressure at the end of that bolt to keep it closed. And then, like you said, Kyle, it's a, you kind of unlock it and then it slides back. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of safety testing, validation, uh, pressure testing that went in to make sure that whatever we bring to market was a safe solution because we thought that would be the number one issue to overcome over here. 
Is it um, a couple questions? Um, question number one is my theory on the scope sitting lower to the gun correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah, okay. It, it, and it's just it's one less thing that can come loose on the rifle. You right. Know, like you right. Had it where if you if you shoot enough, the screws are going to start to back out. Yeah. Well, this is it's it's integrated into the aluminum receiver. So yes, yeah, sits lower and one less moving piece that could come loose over time. No, I that that was my I didn't say it, but that's one of the big selling points on it. It's like it's there. It's one less thing to buy, and like you said, it's it's one less thing to go wrong. Um, so yeah, I I, I can completely understand that. Um, we got one in a six five PRC. Uh, mainly because we we're doing long distance shooting for pronghorn, um, mm -hmm. which I understand you have recently been on a pronghorn hunt. I have. I don't know why it's so difficult for you. I mean, <laughs> I went to the wrong. I went to the wrong state. Uh, tell us about your hunt. What, how it went down. Awesome. Yeah. So it was my first pronghorn hunt uh, over in uh, just south of Buffalo, Wyoming. And I'm like in like my Sunday, like driving over, we're going to start hunting, you know, Monday, we're camping out in the prairie, like looking forward to the weekend. I'm jamming out to Lady Gaga or whatever. Was on the <laughs> down. And uh, so we pull off and my buddy and the camera guy are up ahead of us in the next truck and they stop under the overpass. And I'm like, okay, what are we doing? And he's like, we're going to go shoot that pronghorn. And I'm like, what, what pronghorn? And he's been hunting here for five years, and he's like, I've never seen a buck in that prairie. And we're like, okay. So You're like, but I haven't suffered yet. <laughs> yeah, I know. So we, uh, so we drive up the hill about a half mile, get out of sight, and I'm in, I'm in road trip clothes. So I've got my slip-on shoes, my wind pants, my hoodie. You know, I'm not in hunting apparel. So we grab our spotters, run back about a quarter mile, and get eyes on them. And he's like, you know what? For first pronghorn, he's like, it's. It's pretty good average to above average and i'm not one to shy away when someone says it's a representative animal I'm like, yeah i'm gonna say let's go so we did so we ran back to the car and it was about 5 30 we had until about 6 45 shooting light so i have to find blaze orange i have all the guns in a pack my car is just full because we're camping for a week so after about 10 minutes i've got my blaze orange on got my tag in my pack a couple swear words for sure Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. <laughs> exactly. Where are the bullets? Where are the bullets? Do you have the bullets? <laughs> I got them. I got them. Um, so, yeah, so we, we got everything on our pack. We made our truck down there. It took us about 20 minutes to get down there and, you know, did our typical crawl up over a mound. And he was at about 195 yards and <laughs> took about five minutes for him to give us the, the perfect broadside shot. But he did. So, 45 minutes in, and I had mine on the ground. Unreal in That's, slippers. Yeah. <laughs> in slippers, yeah. I did put my hiking boots on because we were. I had five minutes to do that, so we were good. How long did you say the shot was? Uh, it ended up being just under two hundred. Okay. You know what's really funny about her story is it's something that I've never seen, and until I had never seen this ever in my life, but it's something we all made note of when we were hunting pronghorn. When you're looking, you're looking. When you're shooting, you're shooting. Um, yeah. yeah, it's like, for whatever reason, the people we're hunting with, it's like everywhere we would go, they'd be like, we're just going to go glass right now, and we'll get our guns if we see anything. And you did, you said the same thing. It's like you went and looked, and then you go get the gun. I, I'm like, that's yeah. crazy. I yeah, know. It drives me nuts. I'm like, level. I want that gun on me. What What if? <laughs> like, you know? Yeah, what if you come over the hill? They're right there. Who knows? Now what? Yeah. Oh, well, I got to run 500 yards back to the Yeah, no, no, no. It no, doesn't no. make sense. No, no, I don't like it. Um, but yeah, we, uh, we, uh, I noticed that with everyone is like, 
we'd walk like a half mile and they'd be like, all right, let's go get those guns. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we, we had a different experience in New Mexico. It was, uh, it was tough hunting, uh, getting, getting pronghorn was not an easy thing for us. We didn't see that many. Um, and like we'd spot them a mile and a half away. We'd be looking at them and then they would, uh, we like finally get the binoculars on them and like pick them out of the side and they'd been there all day, but you didn't see them. They're a mile and a half away and they're all looking at you. It's like, what? Give me a break, man. Yeah. yeah so that was our experience. So I want to hunt with you, um, which I know we're, <laughs> we're, we're actually in the beginning stages of planning it. Uh, Beth and I are going to pick out a bunch of tags that we think would be an interesting hunt, put in lotteries and then, and then hope for the best. So hopefully, uh, next fall or spring or whatever it is, we'll be able to knock one down. What's your, what's your experience with bears? I have only ever done one bear hunt. It was this past spring out in Idaho. Um, so it was with actually uh, Sportsman's Alliance, and it was uh, with spring bears doing uh, with dogs and over bait. And it was actually a huge learning experience for me. Um, I think a lot of people – so I'm, I'm fairly new to my hunting career. I've only been hunting six years since I've been working for Savage. So I'm still learning every day. And uh, I think I kind of went in like a lot of – our consumers or people in the industry or even outside the industry of, you know, what is hunting with dogs and over bait? Is it cheating? Is it, you know, super easy hunting? And my mind was completely changed having to go through that experience. Um, so that's the only time I've been able to hunt bears was actually uh, fortunate to, to harvest one with an amazing group of dogs one morning. Um, but yeah, beautiful, uh, cinnamon bear. So, Oh, wow. If you're gonna, if you're gonna, get a bear that that's one heck of a first bear um how is the meat uh it's pretty pretty good so i did a lot of i took the back straps um and we did some sausage with it um just to make sure that we cooked it to the right temp and took <laughs> care of it but it's it's really good really yeah. good that i i'm you know i'm pretty impressed with a lot of the bear meat that i've had and there was actually it's actually I, I've heard a lot of stories from people and one of which we were actually going to work with and then we ended up not because I heard this story, but I have heard so many people and it's in Idaho and Utah and I think Utah, but for sure Idaho, but places where people get bear and that you don't have to harvest the meat legally. So they take the skin and they leave the bear meat. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And uh, really? th there was a, there was a, someone we were going to partner with that told me that story and we bailed um right after because it was like they were bragging about it um and it's a reputable company mm -hmm. i can't tell you uh who it is on here but um maybe offline i will but i when they were talking about it, it was like unbelievable to me that that was a thing and then i've heard it several times repeated since i i heard it the first time there and i do mm -hmm. know that bear are um notorious for picking up the flavors of what they eat quite a bit like they're highly impacted by that and the bear that was being discussed was near water and picking up salmon. Um, and that was, like, why they were gross. Um, but I, I, I could never kill something and then just leave it. And, the, like, even the thought of that yeah. makes me sick to my stomach. I've never even really yeah. been a big fan of those pig hunts where they're not harvesting the pig. No. Like, I don't I don't like it. I'm, it's, uh, it's a certain type of people. Yeah. That and, like, I, I don't like trapping. I mean – if you do it, fine. Personally, I just it's something about it. I just unless it's like a live trap, like I don't like the snares or like. 
Well, the I don't snares, know. the snares are okay if they're the ones. I like to kill them quick. Yeah, like I like yeah. to, I like to be killing things quick, and I don't like it nothing. Pulls at my heartstrings a little yeah. bit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like wasting it. I don't like wasting anything, and whatever re- reason. Uh, bear hunting seems to be the one that I'm hearing the most of is like wasted. That's crazy. Yeah, and in pigs, it's just widely accepted because they're such a problem. Um, but I still can't get behind it. Like I wouldn't want to. Yeah, I could see that going either way. If you had to deal with the problem, you might. Like, th- <laughs> you might. What am I supposed otherwise. to eat pig every day of my life? Yeah, yeah that's probably <laughs> true. But there's things that you can do as far as like donations and stuff too. Of like they'll process mm-hmm. the meat and stuff. Yeah, I, I I think that if you're gonna go out with a gun and kill something, you should have a pretty good understanding of what you're gonna do with it after going yeah. into it. And I I just I can't get behind shooting and leaving. I just can't. Yeah. Or just taking the fur that gets very oh, like what we did to the bison feel to it. Yeah. I don't like that. I don't like that. Um. So you said that you're relatively new to hunting. So you got your job at Savage. And how that- long have you been at Savage? Uh, I started in early 2017. Okay. So almost seven years. So did like all your coworkers are like, you gotta go, you gotta go hunt, or like how did how did how did you start getting the ball rolling with hunting? It was it was more me wanting to learn. So I, I grew up, my dad hunted, but it was his kind of what he did with the guys in the fall. That was his little vacation every year. Would mm-hmm. go hunting. So uh, I have two siblings. None of us hunted. We had guns in the house, but didn't. I mean, we knew, we knew how to shoot them. We knew the, the safety, everything around them, but didn't hunt. Um, so when I started at Savage, I was like, well, we were primarily a bolt action hunting company. And I'm like, well, if I'm going to lead marketing for this group, I should probably understand, you know, the clientele, what drives them. Sure. Um, and funny story, it took me three hours to get my first buck down, my first white tail, um, the first day. And uh, I got to hunt with you for sure. Yeah, no, for real. All right, I'll go. <laughs> great hunting life. Yeah. <laughs> this is my team teases me that I carry a horseshoe around with me because it, it yeah. happens a lot. So anyway, um, and I swear I'm a picky hunter, but maybe maybe not. Um, but no, it, it took you know walking up on that first buck, and I'm like you, Kyle. Like I want a good shot. I'm mad at myself if it's not a good shot. If it's not a quick ethical kill, um, it eats at me. So. I shot, it was, you know, almost the last light. We saw it run off, didn't really, you know, know how we did. And to walk up that hill and see it laying 20 yards away, like to me, it, it clicked and I've been hooked ever since. So anytime there's a hunt opportunity, I'm the first one to raise my hand to go. Um, I've been blessed to go. I've gotten to do caribou in Alaska. Um, we took riders to New Zealand this last year for stag and tar um, and just anything I can chase around here um I, i'm hooked so it's it's been a, a lot of hunts in in six years but i'm looking always looking forward to the next one do you, do you tend to focus it sounds like maybe you do do you tend to focus towards big game or like do you do upland or what 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 do you what's your primary so my primary i would say right now has been big game um just with a lot of the products we've had yeah that's yeah. usually what drives where i go so a lot of the new products we've had have been you know center fire bolt action or impulse rifles um i have gotten into waterfall as we've had the renegade i've actually never upland hunted um i have a 555e but i have not yet gone so we're planning to do that here this winter um megan on my team lives over in sioux falls and we've got friends uh on the other side of south dakota when when are you going 
when are you going? We're not sure yet. Um, I got to talk to Megan and see what her plans look like. You guys coming over? Yeah, we're going there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we're looking at November 27th through December 4th or something like that. We already have a connection at one place. Um, we're like uh, near Mitchell, but I haven't yeah. I, I haven't started cementing anything yet. But we got to if you guys are there, we have to hook up at least a day. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, that'd be awesome. We're going to we're going to be filming an episode uh, while we're there. But that would be sick. Yeah. OK. Uh, yeah, we're the 27th through the 3rd. So we're supposed to leave like okay. right after Thanksgiving and then be there till December 3rd or 4th. Okay, so. awesome. Yeah, if if I can't make it over, like I said, Megan's in Sioux Falls. She's she's right there as well. So that would be good. Yeah, that would be amazing. Bunch of 5-5-E's five, five out in that field yeah. lighting up some big roosters. <laughs> I will say that uh, uh, Ryan's the more upland guy because uh, he has dogs and has trained him his whole life and stuff like that. I'm more or less like absorbing everything from him and Kellen because Kellen's our PR director because they both live, sleep, breathe, and eat it. But, um, man, it, it edges close to being the best, you know, for me is like m for a few reasons. One, it's like nice days in the field. Yeah. Like you're comfortable. Two, it's like I even hate to say the words because everyone says it, but you get to see the dogs work, which is <laughs> cool. Uh, I just like being around dogs any chance I can get. But three is like the meat is just better than everything. So what are you going to do about – I mean, we ate a – you get a grouse, it's like the greatest meat on the planet. So I just for upland, like for the sake of food, like eating a pheasant's a whole lot of fun. Um, so I, I – I love it. Yeah, we went to South Dakota one time. We filmed an episode back in the day, um, and it was just a part of it. And I remember <laughs> we stayed at an Airbnb, and uh, we didn't – we had already grocery shopped but didn't think about any seasoning oh, yeah. or spicing or, uh, spices or anything. And, like, it's an hour to any grocery store. And we get all these pheasants and we clean them and we're like, we got to eat these before we go home. So we had like, like four pheasants to a man. Yeah. And so we, I breasted them all out. So we go through the cupboards at the Airbnb and we find that they have ramen noodles in yeah. the cupboard, like a, like a, like, like hoarding, like there was like six or seven <laughs> it was packages. Expired too. It was expired by a long shot, but we're like, does it expire? And then we did the whole thing of like, if it's expired, with how long it has a shelf life, these got to be – like we were figuring out if they were older than Ryan. Yeah. But anyhow, <laughs> we, we took those ramen noodles and we're like – because there's seasoning in it. And it was all oh, yeah. like uh, chicken chicken the noodle raw, ramen. Yeah, yeah, ramen noodles. So I like fried them in butter and then put them in the broth in the crock pot that we found there with water, the ramen noodles, and then like too much seasoning. We used like four things of noodles but eight things of seasoning – Oh, and gosh. then put that in with the pheasant and enough water. And I'll be honest, we killed it. It did. T it <laughs> turned out great. Like it was like. You wouldn't want to eat it. If you, if you just like walked in the room and looked at it, you'd be like, I'm not. Yeah, it wasn't I'm our not. proudest. It looked yeah. like prison food. Yeah, it was kind yeah. of it was kind of funny too. It was like it was just the four of us, but for some reason we said grace. <laughs> it was like, and it was just like this bowl of water and noodles and pheasant in there. And it was not bad. But uh, we plan on doing a little better recipe this go around. Yeah. Consequently, that was actually our most successful TikTok as well. Is we, um, I showed people the gutless method, or I guess gut filled method, I guess, of how to clean a pheasant. You step on the wings really close to the body, you grab the legs, and you pull upwards, and all the guts and the head and everything folds up through the through the body, and then just pops out, 
and it, it's it's like a very poppy thing, and then the, it's just the meat, and then you clip off the wings, and you're done. And it's hmm. like just a brass down the plate. But I did it so perfectly and quickly, and I don't know how. It was like when TikTok was still newer, so it was all like Gen Z on there. <laughs> and I just remember some of the comments, they're like, yo. <laughs> like that's all they said because it's like people that have never hunted, and I like went down this rabbit hole. We got 135,000 views in six or 135,000 views in six hours. Thousands of comments and it went crazy. Um, tens of thousands of likes, and then we got shadow banned and we were kicked off TikTok for 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 quite some time because yeah. apparently it was more. And I fought it, and they're like, "Are you serious?" Yeah, <laughs> they're like, "They're like, yeah, good luck. You're a monster." <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was that was our experience but i will show you that method if we hunt together but yeah. uh and i'll i'll make you a better a better recipe for for eating <laughs> hey i like ramen so it can't be that bad no no if, i mean like i said it's maybe when no one else is over we'll do that and then yeah. uh, you know if we have a group together see the hard part about that recipe is finding the 20 year old expired ramen yeah that, <laughs> which is key that is the whole play is if it's not expired we don't know that it'll play the same you know because isn't it where the seasoning like loses some pop over time like the older it is so maybe it, we would only use six packets if it was you know right. more recently expired yeah. the greenway outdoors is brought to you by ram trucks built to serve bass pro shops and cabela's your adventure starts here savage arms better comes standard nozzler ammunition world's finest bullets ammunition and brass boss shot shells superior made and american made carlson's choke tubes the only choke tube we've ever purchased on x hunt no reuse stand you want to be here it all starts here at bass pro shops and cabela's we have the widest selection of the quality brands you love to get you outdoors whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out our friendly, knowledgeable outfitters will help you find the right products for your next trip. Shop with confidence with our low price guarantee. Plus, club members save even more on great gear with exclusive member pricing. Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's, voted America's best outdoor retailer. Legends aren't born, they're created. Introducing Impulse from Savage, the all-new American-made straight-pulled bolt-action rifle. Unmatched innovation, fast reloads, maximized efficiency, repeatable accuracy. Welcome to American Straight-Pull, only from Savage. So... 
one of the main topics that we wanted to talk about on this podcast too as far as new products go if you look at a lot of the new savage products there's a new rifle that just came out if you want to talk about that first before i go into the caliber absolutely so kind of one of the things you talked about earlier is we've tried to have a product for everybody and kind of fill every price point and one of the things is you know the 110 is kind of our bread and butter it's been around since the late 50s um fun fact of why it's called the 110 is it cost 109 dollars and 95 cents when we first built it um, so that's why it's the model 110. Okay. Um, but, but our model 110 really started at higher up the price ladder than we wanted it to. Our first step into the 110, you know, was kind of that six, seven, $800 price point. And we know there's a huge part of the market that's aged out of our access line, which is really our entry level line. Um, so we brought out a new product actually about two weeks ago when we talked, um, the 110 trail hunter. So what we did here is we partnered with Hogue. Um, it's an overmolded green stock. And you said um, you made it green through. because of your favorite show, something like that. I think it is. You, yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know, we almost we almost called it the 110 Greenway, but I lost that battle. Oh, so. well, I'll help you fight <laughs> next time. Lost. I'm very convincing. I can cry. He'll stomp his feet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you throw good fits. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, this this is a, a rifle that's either it's a great entry level rifle or it's a great stepping stone for someone. Um, you know, this is probably a rifle that's going to be used a lot in your guys' area. Mm -hmm. This is, you know, if you're sitting in a stand in a blind, um, we know this rifle is going to get put through the element. So we put a tungsten colored Cerakote on the barrel and the action. Um, and then it has kind of all of those same components that we talked about with the 110, you know, a button rifled barrel. Um, it has our AccuTrigger, which is user adjustable. Um, we're actually celebrating the 20th anniversary of AccuTrigger. Um, and this is going to come in probably about 15 different calibers um, because we know it is such a versatile platform. So we put it anything, you know, down to a 223, um, all the way up to a 7 millimeter PRC. So this is going to be a rifle that, again, is really fit for anyone for, for any use. What's the price point on it? Isn't it like, I don't want to, I think it's 7 roughly? So we're, the MSRP is 629. So mm -hmm. you're probably looking at, you know, between 550 and 575 at retail. Okay. That's awesome. That's that's not yeah, bad at all. No, it's not. No. Yeah, and that's the thing is it's got all those benefits to it for a, a super reasonable price. Now, one of the calibers, and I'll start this off by saying, number one, I'm going to be writing a blog for Savage on this caliber once I get to, to run it through the ringer a little bit to see, see what I find. But if everyone in Michigan does this, if you look from here down, um, we are in a restricted rifle zone. Um, and what that means is they've decided that there was too many houses and it's heavy, heavily populated areas. Which is crazy. And also that nobody has common sense, apparently, so we need to be guided in what weapons we can use. But the government has dictated that from there down we have to use uh, limited guns that aren't able to shoot quite as far. And the idea is if they can drop off and be – then you're not going to be shooting into a house if it goes – past 400 yards although little fun fact i maybe shouldn't say this i think i've said this before though so i don't care it is funny though that technically in michigan you could carry any gun you want into the woods and if you ever got caught you could say you're a coyote hunting because you're able to use anything anywhere you want for coyote hunting which is crazy yeah so it's like you could be like i'm not deer hunting i'm coyote hunting with orange hunting. <laughs> so if you there you go, kids. If you need to get out of trouble, just throw that in the old cap. Uh, don't don't, 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 don't actually do that. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, <clears throat> but that goes to show you, though, there's there's holes in the law that anytime there's holes that big, you know it doesn't make sense. But anyhow, because of that restricted zone, in that area, traditionally people would use muzzle loaders or slug guns. And slugs, you get very limited distance on. I mean, there's it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to be shooting over 50 yards for most people with a slug gun. And with a muzzle loader, there's all kinds of issues with them. Number one, reloading isn't exactly quick unless you're from the Civil War area. And number two, um, they're, they're not that consistent um, because there's a lot of human element in it. You have to put the powder in. You know, they've got tabs and stuff now that are measured out that's better. But really ramming it down, they're very dirty. You really, it's a one-shot situation. Uh, their range isn't very good. They're not as accurate. There's a lot of issues with, with muzzle loaders in general, even though they've come a long way. So then people would uh, basically dissected the law and were like, okay, what, would, what, what could we use that would be more effective for, to making quick, clean, ethical kills, which I think is important, and for consistency that would replicate more of like a normal rifle? And that started the craze of the 450 Bushmaster and the 350 Legend, which are straight wall cartridges. Um, which means if if you look at the bullet, they're just very long and skinny, and they remind me of longer 357 Magnum rounds. If you've ever looked at the handgun yeah. rounds, they look very handgunny. The rounds do, and the great benefit of those were they were standard rifle cartridges that you could load up in your gun and shoot like a normal rifle, and the 450 Bushmaster follows the rules of the straight wall cartridge. Now, the the failures of the 450 Bushmaster, if you want to call them failures, are it's a very heavy round with a ton of lead that kicks like a mule. It's effective at its range, and that's what it's at. And then there was the 350 Legend. Now, the 350 Legend was a much smaller piece of lead that had a little bit better range because it's less of a projectile and had far less kick. But people argued about its how good it is with knockdown power. And to be completely honest, you're, you're like, you're, you would not seek out these cartridges or these loads as your go-to rifle if, like, the zombie apocalypse happened and you could pick anything you want to deer hunt. That wouldn't be what you go to, right. but... In these restricted zones, where your your hand is forced, your hand is forced. These are the ones that make the most sense, and it's kind of created this market. Who could be the smartest to do it? And <clears throat> what happened was recently, and Savage is always at the cutting edge of this. Is like, how do we make the best product for our customers in their particular areas? And Savage was smart enough to analyze these laws to make guns that would fit to help people in these different situations, as we just did with this new rifle she was talking about in Greenway Green. Um, so they recently, Winchester came out with a new round, and it's called the 400 Legend. And I've only been able to study the box and the ammo and know that the Savage is going to come in this, so that's the extent of what I've gotten to do. But what I noticed right away was that the velocities were really good, and... Their big claim right now, too, and we're going to dive into that, is knockdown power. Um, so I'm going to be deer hunting with it this year. And the knockdown power for this new round is supposed to beat out what where the 350 Legend lacked. But then when you look at the 450 Bushmaster, it's going to have far less kick 
and be fun to shoot. The 450 Bushmaster is not fun to shoot. And you've got your tough guys. I know you're stronger than me. You're better than me in every way. But at the end of the day, yeah. like, it's not that pleasant to shoot it. So, um, Sa- although I do like the one that you have because Savage, um, Savage made one with a giant muzzle brake on it. You have a 110. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot which one you have. There's a lot of 110s. But you have a 110 with a big old muzzle brake. He, he's got the Haymaker. Yeah. The 450 Bushmaster. Yeah. yeah. So there, there's a lot. <laughs> what a cool name, Haymaker. So the, um, the 450 Bushmaster in that one with the big muzzle brake takes a lot of the kick off. You want to have um, ear protection on when you're yeah. shooting it, uh, in a blind especially. But it's it's great beneficial there. But this new 400 Legend round, it'll be interesting how it shakes up, especially. And we're in the heart of it in Michigan. We are in the south zone in Michigan. This is where we live. This is talked about a lot. There's always arguments before between the 450 Legend or 450 Bushmaster and the 350 Legend here. Um, you get a lot of a lot of people lean towards the 350 Legend if they're going to have uh, kids or females or new hunters shooting um, to not shy them away. And it seems like the people that have been hunting a while are like get your shoulder into it and get you a 450. <laughs> uh, and that seems to be the two audiences that I, I've I've seen as far as the argument goes. But what's interesting about this round is that I think it's going to kind of split the difference. I think it's going to have more knockdown power based on the velocity and the energy transfer I'm looking at. So the velocity out of the muzzle is 2250, uh, which is like reasonably fast. Um, it's almost I think it's very close to what the 350 Legend is. And I'm going to, in my blog that's going to be on Savage's website, I'm going to break all this down more more thoroughly. But 2250 at the muzzle, looking at just trajectory. So they've got it, so you're sighting it in at 150 yards which is very common. The reason why they, you'll see this quite often where most boxes of ammo will say 100 or or 200, but given the fact that like the muzzle loader shot, you're not getting past 100 yards typically. Like it's irresponsible to kind of go farther than that. It's like what's what's thought. Um with a slug gun you would never get there. Um so with these straight wall cartridges, it seems like 150 seems to be the thing that everybody uses as their zero. So at 50 yards, you'd be high at 1.2 inches. At 100 yards, you'd be high 1.8 inches. And at 150, you'd be zeroed. And at 200 yards, you'd be 4.9 inches. Now, that's where I stop being interested because I know that after the 200-yard mark, the bullet's going to drop off like a ton of bricks because these do. The straight wall cartridges do. And there's a reason why this one's allowed to be used. But, man, it pushes it as far as the numbers yeah. go because at 200 yards, you're only low 5 inches. Five inches is not that much. I mean, five inches is like that. So if you're aiming a little high on the heart, you're good. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're you're good out to 200 yards to pretty much put it on them. If you hit 200 yards, you could lift it a little. At 250 yards, it drops down 13 inches, and then 300 yards is 26. And, again, very common for these. That's why we're allowed to use them, right? Right. So just going through it and the energy – at 150 yards, it's still 1,379 for um, for energy transfer, and 200 yards, it's 1,132, and that's where it drops off to 930 at 250 yards. So again, I think it's going to be a 200-yard gun, but I a lot of the 450s and stuff, I would have put them at 150 yards. So I, 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 I like the fact that I think you're going to get a little bit more distance than the 450. I like the fact that the, so the, um, the bullet itself, is 215 grains, so a lot of the 350 legends are in that 150 range. So you're getting you're getting pretty much similar ballistics, 
but with a bigger bullet, more knockdown power than the 350 Legend, but you're not blowing your shoulder away, and you're getting a little bit more distance than the 450 yeah. Bushmaster. So and, that and white like deer hunting in Michigan, it's like 200 anything, regardless of what you're using, anything past 200, you're starting to reach just based on like our landscape. Right. So I would feel really cozy shooting yeah. at 200 yards, like feeling pretty confident yeah. about what's happening. Yeah. Uh, once you get under a thousand, you know, foot pounds of energy, I get a little, a little iffy on that. I like to keep it above a thousand for that. So I think it's a great 200 round and closer. Like you said, though, that's kind of all you need here. Mm-hmm. So you can sit at 200 yards and feel really comfortable with very little drop. Um, it's just sighting it in. It's funny. It's around here too, Beth. Most of the gun ranges only have a hundred yard range. Like they don't do. That's what Minnesota is too. Like when I have to go for big game hunts, I struggle to find, I have one buddy that I can go with that I can shoot out to 200, but same. I mean, I'm hundred, maybe 150, a few places, but a lot of the zeros, it's set at a hundred here. So I, I think for me, this cartridge, and I'm excited to actually play with it, get down into it and talk about it. But the 400 legends new, um, it, like finding finding the ammo on shelves. I was at Bass Pro the other day, and I saw it. And the only reason why I learned about this cartridge in the first place was because Savage's announcement of their new gun had it listed. I was like, what the hell is that? Yeah. And then that's what got me into it. Um. So, yeah, I'm going to be studying it. I'm going to be hunting with it this year. I'm going to have some feedback on it and, and what happened. And I'm, I'm pretty excited for that to put that information together and get that out to people. Um. What are what are your thoughts? I mean, I kind of covered a lot of it, but what are your thoughts? I'm sorry I rambled on it, but No, no, it's awesome. So, we've always like you said, we have a gun for everybody. So, we've got a really good slug lineup. We have 450 Bushmaster guns that you guys have one of that you use. 350 Legend has become, I think it's cracked into our top 5 or 6 calibers that we produce every year. Um and 400 Legend's going to take it to the next level. Like you said, it's, you know, more energy um you know at 200 yards than a 350 legend it's you know 20 percent less felt recoil in a 450 bushmaster and what we saw with the 350 legend it was a really good starter gun for kids to get into hunting mm-hmm. so this is like you said better knockdown power still less recoil i think this is gonna knock you know the 450 bushmaster and 350 legend down and i think this will become the new go-to caliber uh, for straight wall yeah i i that's as long as it does what it says and we're going to get to the bottom of it. I, I think that I think that's going to be the case. It's smart that you guys got in front of it with a budget gun that has all those features like the Cerakoting and every the AccuTrigger. People can feel good about getting it and then get it in that new cartridge. I think I think that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. When will people start seeing that gun on the shelves? So the Trail Hunter. Uh, in a multitude of calibers has actually been shipping for about two weeks. So you can actually find that out on, uh, you know, online sales right now, or should be in stores. Now the 400 legend version of that should be shipping probably in the next two weeks. Um, due to the Cerakote, that one got delayed a little bit just because of the outside processing time for Cerakote, but the access platform, um, we've got one, uh, some 110 apex, which come, uh, with the vortex optic on there are in the, on shelves now and I think you're actually getting the hog hunter version of this which is also a different colored green so it should pair well with you Kyle I'm loving it I'm loving it um so one of the other things that I wanted to talk about too was kind of our experience over 
the last year of working directly with Savage. And obviously I, I've made it abundantly known that I was working with Savage before I was working with Savage. Um, but I would say that, again, I, I think I was confirmed in my thinking as far as seeing how the companies run. If you follow Savage on Instagram or if you go to their website or anything like that, they're always putting out content. And what I appreciate about you guys having Savage Journeys, you guys kind of understand the struggles of what it is to put content together and how, how difficult it is. But um, tell us a little bit real quick about Savage Journeys, and it's found on Carbon TV, I know, but tell us a little bit about that show too. Absolutely. So one of the things that we wanted to celebrate, and you know, this is a passion industry that we're in, and to me, the, the firearm that we put in people's hands is the tool to get the job done. The story is everything else that happens around it, and we wanted to be a brand that really helps celebrate that. And we know every hunt, there's a story. Every time you walk into a new camp with new hunters, everybody has a story to tell. And that's one of the things that we wanted to kind of put a, a series behind and celebrate that. Um, so we've been doing these for probably three years now. And we find different partners or different uh, storylines, depending on whatever the hunt is. And we really want to celebrate the lifestyle. And um, a lot of that is similar to what you guys are doing. You know, we want new eyeballs. We need new hunters and shooters in this space. And I think if we can help them see the bigger picture, it's not just about killing something. It's about having a full freezer, three freezers in my garage. You know, it's. <laughs> you are in a hunt now. <laughs> Seriously. So I recently moved and uh, the amount of meat I have is a little crazy. So I share with everybody. Yeah. So I, I take pride in helping educate people and I help. Friends come over and help me process my antelope. They came over and helped me do that. Um, but we wanted to celebrate that lifestyle and really help break down barriers to entry, show that it can be done. Um, and, and that's really what we've taken pride in is doing content really well that will resonate with people outside the industry. And you know, hopefully it helps elevate our brand. Um, but at the end of the day, we just need this space to continue to grow. Sure, sure. I, I And that's that forward thinking was you know, been my experience in the past year. I've only talked to obviously like four Savage members, but everybody kind of has the same, the same drive and the same passion as you. And at the end of the day, you guys are like the gun company kind of leading the charge in getting new people into the outdoors. And again, having a gun for everybody, you guys are very forward thinking. You understand getting content out there is key that I think you guys are kind of the future of the industry as you've also been the past. Um, what I've really enjoyed about <clears throat> about the savages, obviously, is for me it was it's all about what happens on the shooting board. You know, as far as like really good groupings, um, your barrels cool really fast. That's what I like about the barrels is they cool fast. I'm not at the shooting range for a long time, but my groupings have been fantastic. I don't want to use anything but an accu trigger now. And um, as far as like the renegade goes, I'm really happy with everything being oversized. As far as being able to like close the action with gloves on being able to open it with gloves on and uh we had a um we actually had a, a competitor shotgun that was given to us a couple years ago that uh was used on a hunt where the what do you what do you even call it the like the, the thing you would grab to open the action on a semi-auto shotgun the little thing that goes out and it got knocked off just in the hunt and then you couldn't get it open and that's not going to happen with the Renegade. As far as like that thing's, everything's very solid on it. Um, I really like the 16 gauge that I got to hunt with as well. I'm really happy with that. But overall, 
I'm just really happy that they're accurate. Like, that's what it really comes down to. Because when you pull the trigger, you have to be sure, especially on a long-distance shot. And if you're worried about your gun, you can't have that comfort. And that's that's been something for me is, like, I just never had – if I miss, it's on me. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that's, like – that that that's kind that's of how, how you want it. Yeah, and that's that's kind of how I felt. I The Greenway Outdoors is brought to you by Ram Trucks, built to serve. Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's. Your adventure starts here. Savage Arms, Nosler Ammunition, Boss Shot Shells, Wilderness Athlete, Fuel for the Rugged, Tracker Boats, Fish the Finest, Eagle Fishing, Designed for the Savvy Angler, Rufus Teague Barbecues, Snacks, and Spices, Rectech Grills, it's more than a grill, it's a way of life. Sea-Doo, make your own waves. LEM Products, motivating people to hunt, process, and prepare their own food. Quiet Cat, the leader in electronic bikes for hunting, fishing, camping, and exploring. Consistency. That's what you aim for with every practice shot. So when you're out in the field, you get that same consistency every shot. With Carlson's choke tubes, consistency is what you'll get. Our choke tubes are long-lasting, high-quality, and made right here in the USA. Carlson's choke tubes, pattern-tested, hunter-approved. Find out more at choketube.com. Are you anxious to get going? Knowing that the clock is ticking and time truly is the most precious commodity in the world? Then you, my friend, are in good company. For more of the Greenway Outdoors, head over to thegreenwayoutdoors.com for our weekly video podcast, how-to videos, Greenway gear, and information on our shooting partners. I wanted to also, um, I wanted to hit on something that's going to be kind of fun. Ryan, you don't even know this is going to happen. Oh, great. AJ does. So I did not cheat. So let's get that out now. And I'm sure I'll lose. So then we can put it there. But what I did was I sent AJ a list of 25 questions that are like trivia. And AJ is going to read them to us, so he knows the answers. But I don't know any. I don't know any of the answers. So (laughs) it was him. The questions. I said, well, I didn't write them. No, no, no. It was a website. Somebody else put these together. Oh, okay. So it was like it was a website, and you had to click on each one to get the answer. So I didn't do that. Okay. So no, I did. See, I knew this. I don't even want to. But there are like questions that I thought would be fun uh, for for me and Beth to do. All right. And then AJ could ask them. And then we'll just we'll we'll figure out who wins at the end. Somebody off the tally. We'll we'll put a tally up on the screen. Okay. Make Jeffrey do it. Yeah. All right, AJ. So hit us with the hit us with the the questions. Um, what is the biggest animal that can be legally hunted in North America? A bison, B moose, C elk, or D grizzly bear? Oh, dang! That's actually God. I hard. don't know the answer right out of the gate. I would say so. We've grizzly- hunted buffalo and moose. But we shot a female moose and a female buffalo, so neither of which are, like, super representation. And, like, if you're able to shoot a wild buffalo, what does that look like? Like, what are they, 1,500 pounds, something like that? But you could see a bull moose. I would say more. I'd say buffalo. That would be my guess. Yeah, I'd say a, a, a grizzly bear. How big does a grizzly? I don't think I, a grizzly bear gets. Have you Like, we walk into Cabela's and it stands 
12 foot tall. You don't have to be mean. This is a fun competition. And, and what about <laughs> yeah. what about when they're fat in the wintertime or something? So you've got grizzly bear. I've got grizzly. And you've got bison. I'm going buffalo. Yeah, bison. And then what were the other two? Uh, moose and elk. It's not elk. Not, not elk. I'm going to go with moose. Moose is correct. Yeah! What? Come yeah. on. Because a bull moose, think about it, because a female moose is like 1,000 pounds. So a bull moose, I was thinking, would probably edge out bison because the bison was only 1,100 pounds that we shot. So how yeah. big can it get? I, uh, All right, score one for Kyle. Yeah. Next. All right. I found the questions. <laughs> I, know, I, I knew this was going to be a thing. Which state has the largest deer population? A, Texas. B, Wisconsin. C, Pennsylvania. Or D, Michigan. Wisconsin. Texas is a bigger state. Wisconsin all day. You're so confident. I'm with, I'm with Wisconsin on this one. What is it again? You didn't make a guess. I know. Is it, it the, when they say just population? Are they saying it's just straight population? And then, and then? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Are they saying just population, or is it like per square mile? Which or? state has the largest deer population? Dang. You think they're all surviving the winter? I, that, that's my guess. You don't I, seem I'm, like you're I'm guessing. I'm very sure. And she's she jumped right in with you without thinking twice. Texas is such a big state. And they they're like dogs there. Go ahead. Is lock, it white? Does it, it say white tail or does it say deer? Just deer. I, no I'm, more indents. Texas. Texas, correct. No way. It's bigger. What? It's bigger. It's bigger, and they're smaller. I because you're <laughs> adding a winter in. This is rigged. I know that it's now. I'm now. I'm like not sure. I should be getting them right because you're going to think I swear I swear in the holy bible I didn't cheat. All right. Yeah. Well, next. Maybe, Enjoy your maybe afterlife. you should have said white tail cuz I guess if you throw in axis then maybe that throws Texas up there. They have muleys too, don't they? Oh yeah. They do. That's what I'm saying is like I you're like mad like the answer's not what it is. The question <laughs> poorly worded questions. One of them it, one of them is questionable. Uh But next question. Okay. <laughs> Which state has the longest hunting season? A, Alaska, B, Louisiana, C, Maine, or D, Virginia? Just Longest hunting season? hunting season. Alaska, Louisiana, Maine, Virginia. It's, it's, not, it's not Maine. Alaska, Alaska simply can't be that long, so you got to go to warm. So you got Louisiana, Louisiana, Louisiana what? Virginia. Virginia doesn't care about nothing, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's Virginia or Louisiana. What do you got, Beth? Louisiana. I might do that too. I'm doing it's Louisiana. Be like waterfall or something. Virginia. Da! Oh. I knew it was one of the. It was one of those two. Is there any like feedback on like what it? No. I'd like to know what that season is. Um, we just lost that one. Just okay, that. that's fine. Okay. I should have gone with Virginia. I'm a contrarian in general. <laughs> All right, here we go. Okay. How many antler points does a bull need to have before he can be legally hunted? Four, six, eight, or ten? Does it say what state? Nope. I'm going to guess four. How yeah, many antler points does a bull need to have before he can be legally hunted? Yeah, it's got to be four. 
What's the name of this article? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want to make sure there's not like a piece of information I left out. Like, um, it's it's all the question. Like, so questions for podcasts. It's called Trivia Bliss. Fun trivia questions about hunting. Yeah. So it doesn't. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Great. Okay. <clears throat> so antler points. I'm going to go with four. Yeah, I think it's four. I got four. Four is correct. Four. All of okay. us are four. Okay. Yep. All right, next. Um, Here we go. You can tell someone made this quiz that doesn't hunt. <laughs> Which state has the highest percentage of hunting license holders? Ooh. South Dakota, Texas, Vermont, or Louisiana? South Dakota. South Dakota. Has the wait, percentage. highest percentage of hunting oh. license holders? Yeah, that's a kind of a, yeah. Then I gotta go with that too. That is correct. Yeah, because you just say, not that many people all hunt." Yeah, yeah. That's yep. that's the play. Yep. I'm glad you said percentage. Yeah, because well, that's the question. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you heard it. <laughs> all right. Which state has the most deer per square mile? Mississippi, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, or Michigan? Most this deer, might be your Wisconsin one. Most deer per square mile. Per square mile. What is, say, the places again? Mississippi, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan. I'm sticking with Wisconsin. Beth? I kind of want to say Mississippi, but I'm going to say Wisconsin. I think it's Pennsylvania or Michigan. It's. I think it's Wisconsin or Michigan. Because I think those, I think those two states are top two for whitetail. Wisconsin beating us in whitetail, I believe. I'm gonna go with Pennsylvania. You had Wisconsin. She had. What? What did you? Wisconsin. Wisconsin. It's Mississippi. What? Oh, none of us. <laughs> with thir- none of us. Thirty-eight deer per square mile. Jeez, they're gross. Wow. They're all like twenty-two pounds. <laughs> um, I think that's it because the rest of Probably. them are just not good questions. All right, that's a, that's our quiz. Beth, you have any fun questions for us? Like a like a something to try and blindside us? I blindsided you. We didn't talk about like anything we we're supposed to. <laughs> yeah. I know we we did we did pretty well though. Um, what's uh what's a savage we're missing in the lineup that we need to start thinking about? Ooh. Uh, possibly the thing my dad wants. The Craig? No, yeah. <laughs> Thirty forty Craig. My yeah. dad has a gun from like eighteen ninety five that he built half of and it's 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 a it was obsolete before World War One. We'll leave it there. Uh it's like sixteen hundred. Oh no, what gunner I got it. Yeah, I mean I know what I want. Go a, ahead. A custom Greenway Outdoors gun. Yep. What was it? A, a custom Greenway Outdoors gun. And I think it should be a shotgun. I think we should Ooh. I think we should cuz the Renegade is an amazing gun but it it takes a certain in my opinion I think the Renegade is good for someone that's a little bit bigger and a little bit longer everything's oversized I think we need to make a more traditional semi-auto shotgun with Greenway Outdoors co co doing it together yeah, that's the that's the gun mi- yeah that's the gun missing like and we'd hit like the, and we would hit like the $950 price point with it or maybe 1200 cuz we'll make it in the USA so they got they got to understand <laughs> what about like a John Wilkes Booth snub nose 
A snub nose? Mm-hmm. Although the handgun, <laughs> the handguns are everything. I mean, I I didn't touch on that at all. I'm going to hit on that really quick. Actually, as fun as the 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 mystery game is, the so I just got the 1911. The gun's incredible. From like it is, it might be the most solid gun Savage makes. That gun is solid. Like you hold it, everything about it, it is looks nice. Beautiful. It's gorgeous. Everything about it is solid. It it doesn't kick. It's incredibly easy to shoot. It's everything about it is like high end. There's nothing. It's like Ferrari. Like it's very high end would be the way that I would describe it. Go look at the Savage 1911. Find a way to get one of those. If you're in the market for a 1911, please just go look at them. It's such a complete difference compared to anything else. In addition to that, the stance. So uh, that's my carry gun. The stance is a nine millimeter. Um, it has the, we've got a few different options for you. We've got the one with the laser. We've got the one with the the light kind of like glowy type sights, like the high vis sights. Mm-hmm. And then we've got like your standard one. The price point on that is sub six hundred dollars, and it's really, really, really good. Um, they're accurate. Um, the grip on them is incredible. So one of the problems with a lot of guns is like how to get it seated properly for like carry gun. It seats really well in your hand, and the grip on it is so ridiculous that if you like, if you spent some time rubbing your leg with it, you'd wear it through your pants. It's so grippy that <clears throat> if you're holding the gun, if you let go like this, it stays in your hand. <laughs> it does not. <laughs> it doesn't do that. But yeah, I wanted to touch on those handguns because that's something Savage is moving more into. We started out with the stance. It is a great carry gun. If you're looking for a carry gun, and if you want a laser, we can do it. If you want the high-vis sights, we can do it. If you want just the traditional, you can do it. You can get the thumb safety. You can get it without the thumb safety. Um, they're just a great, solid gun for inexpensive that you'll be able to count on. I really love it. Uh, the 1911, that's like your Ferrari. So just I, I highly recommend it. I have it in the 45 ACP. Do we make it 9? We make it in 9. We're just starting to get that one shipping right now, though. Um <clears throat> And if you like handguns, I would say watch out for the next nine to twelve months because there's a there's a lot more coming. So Ooh. if you guys come out to the factory, maybe we'll let you peek behind the curtain a little Ooh. bit. But uh, shoot behind the curtain. There's a lot more coming. <laughs> She's like, no, don't 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 shoot in here. Don't shoot behind the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> well, that wraps up this podcast. Beth, thank you so much for joining us. It was it was great hanging out thank with you. you. I hope we see you in South Dakota. And if not, we're gonna be doing a hunt together next year. Hopefully, this answers all of your questions. Go and visit the Savage website. There is hundreds of guns there to look at, uh, lots and lots of options, and now you kind of know the difference in kind of the guns that we're using and the guns that we like. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Green Bay Outdoors podcast. You can find a new episode every week right here. If you're only listening to us and you want to hurt yourself a little bit and actually visually look at us, you can actually go to Carbon TV or YouTube and visually watch this episode as well, and it's kind of fun because we include all kinds of things in the in the B-roll and that sort of thing as well. Our main TV show... You can find right now on History Streaming at History.com or the History app or the History on your TV. You can find us right there. Thanks so much for tuning in and stay green. 